Hello, everybody, and welcome to Spark My Muse. I'm your host, Lisa Colon-Delay, and today is Soul School, Lesson 266, Dignity. Today I'm going to read selected excerpts from the book that is a compilation, a book by IVP Books and Dallas Willard called Living in Christ's Presence, Final Words on Heaven and the Kingdom of God. Gary Moon was in charge of putting this together, as well as John Ortberg and Jane Willard, the wife of Dallas Willard. And I'll read a little bit in the preface so you can understand how this book came to be. This book was created from the transcript of a conference held in February the 21st through the 23rd in 2013 in Santa Barbara, California. The primary passion for the conference was to provide an overview of Dallas's writing and ministry, his most impassioned ideas. I wanted to particularly concentrate on page 88 and a few pages thereafter. I found these insights to be particularly keen and helpful. It's a conversation with John Ortberg and Dallas Willard. I will be sticking to what Dallas is saying here. He says, Dignity is worth that has no substitute. If a thing has dignity, there is nothing you can substitute for it, according to Immanuel Kant. Most things have a price. That means there's a substitute. There's a price on a cheeseburger. That means if you give money to that seller, he will give you the cheeseburger. One reason we still have that blessed law that you can't sell human beings is because they have dignity. This is what C.S. Lewis is driving at in The Greater Weight of Glory, his book where he talks about that. Bonhoeffer deals with the same thing in his book, Life Together. Every person has dignity, and when you see a person that doesn't realize that or doesn't associate it with their work in a society where so often dignity is associated with work, you begin to understand why unemployment is such a terrible thing and how it's important to understand that unemployment is not a job, though it may be a job. Unemployment is the creation of value. It's work, but it can also be play. In the kingdom of God, we are set free to play. Abandonment to God. Madame Guillon was in prison for years because of her religious views. She wrote a little poem about how she sat and sang in her prison and how she was content that God had placed her there. She retained her dignity because she retained her connection to God. That's what is crucial. That's what gives human beings the dignity they have lost, by and large through alienation from God and through living in a way where others are attacked and they are attacked, and this process of evaluating goes on ceaselessly. What a relief it is to be able to meet people without evaluating them, without sizing them up in some way. You can do that in the kingdom of God. Sometimes we think of dignity as gravitas or someone who is formal, but this is how we've abused the idea of dignity. We think of it as something that is subject to human attitudes and control, and it's beyond all of that. We have to step out of that, and we do that by stepping into the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter how this person looks, or what has happened to them, or what they are thinking, and so on. I meet them as God's creature. I meet them 
as someone God has destiny for, a high destiny, higher than they could ever believe. It's also important that we carry this to people. There are many ways in which human beings have cut people down. We have cut them. We have to cut through all of that as best we can as we live and deal with other people. Also, I have failed so many times at it. My younger life was caught up entirely in this evaluation thing and so on. So seeking allows you to be drawn out of that. It allows you to change and you become different. And God cooperates with that project. We have so many different things going on in our lives and personalities that we can't master all the impulses. We have to go to the parts of the self and identity. What is it that defeats us? Suppose I honestly want people to like me, and I want that more than anything else. Now, to deal with that, I have to go back to that with the Holy Spirit, with the Word of God, and I have to look at that. A major part of repentance is looking at things and seeing them for what they are. For the most part, that alone will begin to loosen the grip. But we have to be willing to do that. We have to believe that it is safe for us to do that. Hopefully someone taught us that it is safe to do that. And then we begin to break through. We can come to the point where we don't greatly worry about what people think about us, for example. Suppose we want someone to think well of us. How can we talk to them in a way that helps them? We can start with why we do that at all. What is it that makes us want to do that, we might ask. We might talk about people that you know who don't want that and ask how they're able to function without that. I think if we do that, we begin to get an entree into the dynamics of the self, which unfortunately the religion of the scribes and the Pharisees does not deal with. It does take time and returning to the question over and over. This is the process of discipleship, you see. This is what we can be doing in our group of disciples, finding out with one another what is driving and possessing us. I'm sure that there are cases where possession has to be dealt with in a different way, but for the most part, we are possessed by stuff that we haven't actually thought about. We haven't asked ourselves, where did that come from? That's what we have to do with the person who has said, quote, I don't honestly seek the kingdom above all, unquote. That's a big step forward. Then you can ask, what do you seek and why do you seek it? And how can you get back of that and release it by the grace of God? All this is by the grace of God. Do we have to find a way where we get a lot more honest and open than we usually are? Not really. We just need to pause and hear it. We do need to find a way to be a lot more open and honest, but religion tends to make you closed and dishonest. Stepping into the kingdom means that we begin to feel the redemptive power of the kingdom, moving into all of that and setting us free. The person who is closed and dishonest is manipulating other people for his or her own benefit. We have to know what that is and understand what drives it and absolutely go to God for help. 
and we have to use whatever devices will help us to overcome that. In my thinking, this is a very orderly process. If you want to change something, you identify the disciplines that will help you do that. Sometimes they seem rather foolish. Perhaps the high watermark in this regard was St. Benedict, who, in order to escape lustful thoughts, threw himself into a briar patch. I think that would do it. Then you have to get beyond briar patches because they are not always available. See, discipline is again an area of creativity. Disciplines are not law. They are a venture. They are venturing on the reality of the kingdom. And we learn ways from others, and they set us free. So all of this hangs together, and we just need to do it. In some evangelical circles, spiritual formation was introduced because the people concerned thought that discipleship had been utterly drained of its meaning, and it had, especially so far as its New Testament meaning is concerned, because it had become associated with particular things by good and well-meaning people, many of whom were sincere disciples of Jesus. Then discipleship became bondage to legalism, and so particular things like quiet times became bondage, and they were not fruitful. They can be made fruitful, but you can't just grind away at something that isn't fruitful and make it fruitful. I often tell people who come to me complaining about church, well, stop going. Usually that is enough of a shock to them. But we need to understand what going to church is about. It's a wonderful thing, and it can be a wonderful thing for anyone but not if you go to figure out whether or not the performers are going to perform and everyone is going to be their churchy best. That raises the question I discuss in Knowing Christ Today. What is church meant for? So here, Dallas goes from speaking about dignity, which is something that cannot be traded for, cannot be substituted for, cannot be bought. There is no way you can buy dignity because it comes with us already. It is already part of who we are. Nobody can give dignity to us and no one can take it away. We can either realize we have it or not realize we have it. We can show other people dignity, but that is because we are showing them some of the truth that already exists. Dallas Willard was a philosophy professor at UCLA and other places. And so he comes at things with this really deep and rich, thoughtful understanding of how people work, how thoughts and ideas within us come to be actions in our life. He doesn't get tripped up in a lot of legalese jargon and expectations that sometimes the church and religious people superimpose onto us and burden us with. Instead, he is very concerned with how do we become more loving people? How do we really do that? Not just how does the church tell us to do that or how do religious people want us to do that, but how does it really happen? What happens inside us that shifts us and changes us? One of those things is asking God for help. Being willing to let go of the ego projects we have truly understanding that our dignity isn't something we work for or have because of work or who we're associated with or our achievements. Having dignity is something that happens because we are just born into this world as a human being. And as we realize that for ourselves, 
we begin to understand that, that that includes not just us, of course, but everyone. Anything I have ever read by Dallas Willard has given me such insight, peace, helped develop my mind, and pointed me toward a better way of thinking, but also of being in the world. So if you're not that familiar with Dallas Willard, who has passed on now, dig around a little bit and look for his works. In the show notes for this episode, you can go to sparkmymuse.com and find a link to that. I will also put a link for all of Dallas Willard's books and a link to his center, which contains a ton of resources, videos, transcripts, all of which are incredibly helpful. I know you will get a lot out of it if you dig a little deeper and you check those out. I thank you so much for stopping by today and listening to this. Next week, my guest will be Casey Tigert and his book, The Gift of Restlessness. It's a really fascinating conversation. I know you'll enjoy it. Until then, blessing and peace to you.